0: And for me, like, that's the stuff I remember, right? If it's personal to me and I have that interest in it, I'm going to probably remember it.
1: From the University of Alabama's called College of Business, it's Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and the show today, Professor Chris Whaley. Dr. Whaley teaches both finance and economics courses here at the Culbrow College Business. This is the first episode to our two-part series in which we talk about his journey from the finance district in New York City, all the way to teaching courses here at Alabama, and how he approaches classes every day. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Whaley.
0: Oh, it's nice to be here.
1: Awesome. To get this started, could you tell us sort of about yourself, uh, how you got to the University of Alabama as an instructor?
0: Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Dr. Chris Whaley. Uh, I grew up outside of Memphis, Tennessee, a little suburb called Germantown, um, and actually went for my undergraduate degree at a school uh, down the road from here, a little southeast of here. That'll remain nameless. Uh, But uh, finished out my senior year, uh, didn't really have uh, some good job prospects. So I stuck around for graduate school and got a master's degree in economics. And that's when things really sort of opened up to me in terms of the field of finance. So I was fortunate to get a job with an investment bank after graduate school. Uh, I was in New York for about two years or so and enjoyed the job. It was it was very fulfilling, very rewarding. Uh, but the city of New York was eating me alive. And so I ended up taking a position at sort of a boutique, we'll call it financial services company uh, there in Birmingham. And yeah, one of them. Um, one of our founding partners was on the board at a local liberal arts college there in Birmingham. And since I was a low man on the totem pole at that time, he gave me the opportunity, I guess, to teach a class at that community or at that uh, liberal arts college. And I taught a finance class there and really enjoyed it and really liked it and continued to do it for, I guess, two years after that. Now that I think about it. Doing this one class a week, Tuesday Thursdays at three thirty. I got to leave work early for it. It was nice, and uh, yeah, that really caught the bug for me. And so went back to graduate school, got a PhD, in here at Alabama. And so, so yeah, it's been a been a fun ride.
1: There we go. And I was I have to say, roll tied to that one. Um, <laughs> Going to more about the classes you teach. Obviously, so you got your PhD a little bit different. You didn't go all the way through from undergraduate mm-hmm. to. Graduate school and then attaining a PhD. Why do you think you were more drawn to getting it after you worked a little bit?
0: Uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of fatigue when you're in school, right? Where you you want to get out and and do the things that you're learning, right? So there's, I guess, a little bit of of sort of learning fatigue there, though. I mean, that's obviously not going to stop when you get out into the real world. But, you know, for me, it was really, I never really had intentions of going back to do a PhD when I was an undergrad or even getting my master's, it was sort of one of those where when I got out into the working world, in the working world, excuse me, uh, you you sort of see problems or you want to know more about aspects of what you're doing. And I realized very quickly, especially when I got back to Birmingham, that a lot of the questions that I would ask about the work we were doing, I I mainly focused in, in risk analysis. A lot of the questions that I asked were these sort of, you know, foundational, deep questions that you would cover in something like a PhD program. And so so I was naturally sort of interested in that and interested in the idea of doing research and, you know, investigating some of these concepts and ideas. And again, the 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 fact that I get to teach students, it's a very fulfilling process, right? I mean, it's it's very rewarding to do that. So once I got a little taste of that. I was I was hooked. And so, I mean it was nice to have a few years of what I would call the real world. <laughs> and so just because, you know, you you sort of understand the um, the unique pressures that the the non-academic community face with deadlines and work and that sort of thing, but um but yeah, so it wasn't until I got to that professional world that I realized that academia was kind of where I wanted to be. And so
1: Going back also to more you and like your personality. Mm-hmm. Would you say going through school, you were invested in it? Like did you enjoy learning or was it more of like it came easy to you? You were paying attention more on things
0: outside of school? Um, oh that's a good question. I think probably my undergraduate career, I was I was good at it. Uh, you know, I mean I was a sort of naturally good student, I guess, and you know, I think once I got into once I actually focused on my major, I mean, when I was a freshman, I think I was interested in three or four dozen different majors. And so I think I started, I think I started in political science, went pre-med at some point or another, but then chose to do economics because I thought it would look good on a pre-med application for medical school, right? You look, you look like you're a diversified candidate. And so, uh, and yeah, when I started getting into uh, my major courses, especially some of those upper level three and four level courses, I, I did begin to really sort of like the process of or the idea of what we were learning and especially the implementation of it. And so um, so I think especially later in that career, in my in my undergraduate career, I should say, you know, I really began to find the topics interesting themselves. And particularly when you make that jump from undergrad to grad school. You know, you there's a there's especially in in the business school, you know, there's a there's a big jump from a quantitative perspective. And so and for me personally, a lot of my professors did work in industry. So a lot of the things that they were doing, they had that real world outlet for it wasn't just theoretical equations they're right on the board. They had that practical outlet and they also were able to give you practical books and articles and things like that to read, which is really. Really, really, helpful, helpful.
1: Yeah. And I will be honest, I, I have cheated a little bit. I was, I took your finance 302 course this past <laughs> semester and you do the same thing. You like to bring in a lot of real world examples that you've at least experienced yourself or that you can bring up in class. Is that sort of because you had that experience at the grad level that you appreciate professors who did that?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, it definitely was helpful to, to have those lessons or have those examples you know, and I think having a couple of years of of working was nice. Um, I, I feel like with most jobs, y- you're going to learn the bulk of what you need for that job on the job. I mean, there's some professions where that's not true, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, I you don't want someone who's not going to medical school to be a doctor. And so, but I mean, a, a lot of that nuance you're learning on the job. And so, it, real world examples are so complex and so... You can you can look at them from so many different angles that they provide a great platform for doing that in the class because, sure, we're illustrating some financial principle, right? Or showing how an IPO works or whatever it might be, but every student is going to view that in a little bit of a different way. So it's a great learning environment from the standpoint of it cements what you're trying to teach them, but also personalizes it for them. Mm -hmm. And for me, like that's the stuff I remember, right? If it's personal to me and I have that interest in it. I'm going to probably remember it, hopefully remember it. And so so I think those real-world examples really help out with that.
1: And touching on the classes you currently teach or instruct mm-hmm. yourself. So there's Finance 302. And what other classes do you teach inside
0: the business school here? So I do Finance 302, business finance. I do Finance 389, which is financial analysis and modeling. That's our sort of Excel-based finance class. Um, and then... In the fall, I'll get to teach healthcare economics, which is EC 483. Uh, that's, of course, I haven't got to teach for probably three or four years, but it's it's something I really enjoy and sort of cut my teeth on in graduate school. Um, and, yeah, I've I've taught a number of different things in the past year. Sort of wherever I was needed, I would go and fill that. So I think I've taught the, the, the principles of econ classes, 110 and 111. Um, Years ago, I taught an economics of the environment class, and so so it's 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 a wide selection, I guess, if you like. But mostly, mostly, excuse me, mostly now it's finance 302 and finance 389. Okay.
1: When you're approaching a, a class, every class you like to start off with talking about current events, things that are going on, mm-hmm. especially in financial markets. A lot of students who are taking the class might not be finance students themselves, or at least not be looking to obtain a finance degree. Sure. Why do you do that? Like, obviously we talked about the, you know, bringing real world examples, but talking about current stuff is even challenging for a professor. Cause there's so much going on a daily basis. What drives you to do that every day?
0: Uh, again, I think it's that sort of experience, right? It's, you know the 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 majority of the students who are in Finance 302 are not finance majors, right? They're they're another major within the college, right? Since it's a core course, and so the real world examples and talking about stories or talking about financial headlines, it's just another way to sort of loop you in, right? I, I don't, I mean, I would love it if you took my course and you're like, oh man, I'd love to do finance. Let's let's choose that as my major, uh, but I think it's one of those where. It, If I can loop you in to say, hey, here's how you do this in the real world, you're going to remember, right? I mean, even if it's just that one little thing, like that's something you're going to take with you going forward. And finance is a great discipline from the fact that it covers everything. I mean, there's a business and a company that does just about everything that someone's interested in. So you may dislike stocks and bonds and you may despise time value of money equations, but you might be interested in – cryptocurrencies right you might be interested in you know some of these goofy bubbles that we have with dog coin and bitcoin and all that stuff or you might be interested in what a specific company is doing or what kind of ipo they have and it's just a way to sort of tie you into the course without bombarding you with concepts and math and numbers that you're just not that comfortable with and so
1: i think that's i think it's a great point and i can attest that as you do a Impeccable job of it. I mean, I appreciate that. No other professor does it. I'd like to say, as extent as based as you do. I mean, legit. Every class is twenty to thirty minutes in the beginning. Where <laughs> sometimes forty five minutes. You're at the end, you're like, oh, I got <laughs> to race to get finish up this stuff. Like everyone, hold uh, on. Like, bear with me for a few minutes. But I think, especially this semester, when we had everything going on with we like to call the GameStop craze uh-huh. and the yeah, you know, yeah. AMC craze, so you took a class period to explain everything that was going on and. I appreciate that myself, just because even though I am interested in finance, some of the topics that people were talking about, I had no clue, at least Mm -hmm. at the instructional level, what that meant or what at least meant for me in the general sense. So I think that was one of my favorite classes that I bring up with everyone else. I'm like, no, he really does care about students. Hmm. And if students want to learn more about finance outside of class, let's say, so let's say someone's interested in something specific. Do you appreciate students coming and talking to you about those things?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's I don't want to speak for all professors, but, you know, that that's something that we really miss out on. Right. Students don't come to us and talk about what we're interested in, maybe from an academic perspective or what we're doing research in, but also like our discipline. I would love it if more students came by to talk about finance as a course of study, as a career, interesting ideas, where to learn more. And so I think, quite honestly, that's probably the best way to learn about the discipline is go to talk to someone who is an expert, right? And I mean, that's universal for all your professors and instructors here at Alabama, right? These are experts in what they're doing. So go and talk to them if you're interested in it. You know, I think there's, there's I don't know if it's a hesitation on behalf of students or it's just a... um. There's some sense of propriety that they feel like they are breaking if they come and ask these sort of very generalized questions, but we really enjoy talking about this stuff i mean we're we're devoting our career to it, right so I think it, it the more students come by and want to discuss specific aspects of finance, finance in general or really whatever, like we would i and we in the the general sense would would love to talk to them. you know I mean, I think there's plenty of people who Want to say, oh, like, give me a book to read or, you know, give me um, something to pour over that I can learn it myself. And that's great. I mean, that's 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 definitely a way to approach it. But, you know, you got sort of these individual wealths of knowledge in these various offices over in Bidgood or in, in Austin and in Bidgood. So take advantage of it. Right. Go right. by and 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 talk to them, and so uh, I mean, if they're busy, they might say like, "Hey, come back later on," you know. But, but I think most of them would enjoy would enjoy talking about it.
1: One thing I love saying, telling people, at least my experience here, is that school is not a nine to five job. Like you're constantly learning about yeah. it because it's all around you. So why not talk to your professor about what you're experiencing yourself? Because they maybe experience it themselves or have a little bit of a better understanding as a whole yeah. about that profession. Because obviously you've done it yourself. You're expert in that field. And I know you mentioned this sort of jokingly, but is there any books in finance that you really appreciate? I know we talked about one after class one time, mm-hmm. you know, I was an engine on a camera. Yep. I was yep. one of them Thanks, that reading yeah. over the summer, but are they ones you really point students to, to learn more about finance as a whole, or maybe the industry?
0: Um, so, oh man, there's a, there's a, a good number. I mean, my, my all-time favorite is the book that you just mentioned, An Engine, Not a Camera. And it's by, um, I think his first name is David. I always get it confused if it's David or Daniel, but David McKenzie. Uh, and it's the, the book walks through, uh, basically how uh, derivatives, specifically stock options and, and other forms of option contracts got sort of. Built up in the 50s and 60s and saturated into the market into the 70s and 80s, which someone listening to this can be like, oh, gosh, that sounds like such a dull read. But it's really fascinating, and the writer does a very good job of taking something that's extremely analytical and extremely quantitative and presenting it in terms that – anyone at the undergraduate level would be able to understand. And it's also nice just to get a little bit of that history, right? I mean, you know, I I can't speak to the other disciplines in in the college, but sometimes in finance and economics, we forget about the historical aspect of how these ideas evolved. So an engine, not a camera, is is one of my favorites. Um you know <sighs> <laughs> there there's there are great books in the field of finance that you know give you exposure to investments and sort of what's done in corporate finance you know there's there's a ton of them that deal with like cases of fraud right <laughs> where you've had some bad thing happen and so someone writes a story about it right so um the Big Short, I don't know if we call that fraud, but The Big Short's a great example of that. Uh, that book, which was, I, I think, turned into a movie at some point or another. Um, uh, that covers the the financial crisis from 2007 to 2009. Uh, I think I've recommended Smartest Guys in the Room mm-hmm. at some point. That's more of an accounting book, but still sort of highlights the same idea. But uh the other book that I really enjoy, and this is mainly for people who are interested in finance from the risk perspective, is a book called Against the Gods. Um, it uh, It's Against the Gods, The Remarkable Story of Risk. I, I think that's the subtitle on it, but it's basically about um, – and again, this is going to be a terrible pitch. <laughs> the It's basically about how the mathematics of probability was built out to allow us to – conquer risk right and so uh so it's a wildly fascinating book from a historical perspective but it has a lot of those finance and insurance elements in it so those would those would be the two that i would probably put at the top of my list for readings in finance but may not be everyone's reading (laughs) list but definitely definitely an engine not a camera was one of mine one of my favorites and i have to i have to give a shout out to um Dr. Robert Brooks, who's one of our finance faculty, he was the one that that originally turned me on to that years ago.
1: That's Dr. Whaley, finance and economics professor here at Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever we get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College of Business and what it has to offer. And as always, Roll Tide.